Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today we have a nuclear revenge story all about forgiving? We'll get into that in a bit, but first, I set my ex-husband up, got around our prenup clause, and divorced him. My mother was a sex worker, she had too many dealings with men, and she always returned home with a lesson for me. So I knew all there was to know about men. I had, after all, learned from the best. I wasn't always proud of my mother's profession, and to be honest, I'm still not proud of it. I still wonder what life would have looked like for me if my mother had a normal job like other mothers that I knew. As a child, she sat me down and we had a conversation about what she did. She did not mince words. She didn't hide anything. She said that all there was to say, as it was. And then she left my 8-year-old brain to deal with her mother telling her what she did for a living was dirty and that other kids may be warned to stay away from me because of what she did. Interestingly, I was never short of friends despite my mother's warning. I just always found my own people at every point and it was heartwarming. Shortly after my mother died, I moved out of town into the city to be an exotic dancer and it was there that I met my ex-husband and my friend who's not my closest friend in the world. Are you wondering how the story about my mom's profession is relevant? You'll see in no time how her tips and advice helped me get out of a difficult situation with my ex-husband. Let's be frank, many of us who were in the exotic dancing business were desperate to leave. And why not? It wasn't exactly the kind of job that you went out and told people that you did. I was tired of not sleeping. I just wanted to sleep at night like normal people, and because I was excellent at what I did, I always had to be up most nights in a week, putting up a show. That was another life lesson my mother taught me. If you're going to do something, then do it excellently. Dancing excellently ensured that I was the best paid dancer at the club where I danced. For my safety and the fact that I didn't ever want the lines between an exotic dancer and a sex worker to blur into each other for me, I never, ever provided private sessions. If you wanted to watch me, then it had to be at the club. Aside from wanting to sleep at night, I was also aware of the numerous safety-associated problems that came with what I did. I'd seen and heard of many of the dancers who went missing, got assaulted, harassed, and sometimes murdered. It wasn't a safe business and the plan was to make some money, train as a hairstylist and then get out of there. But then again, my mom had the same dreams. There is something about life that just sucks you in. You go in the first day, then you go the second, third and before you know it, that's your life. When my ex-husband asked me to quit dancing, I happily agreed. We met at the club and he asked for a private session. I smiled and told him I didn't do that but I'd be happy to recommend a friend who does. I think you're mistaken, he said, a little loudly because of the music. My buddies and I are here for a bachelor party. We'd be needing your services for this weekend. I did not believe him. He was clearly in his late 40s or early 50s. No way was he having a bachelor party with his friends. But even if that were truly the case, I was not interested. Sorry, I only work at the club. I could recommend someone. I don't think you understand how much money my friends and I will pay you. This is a good gig and I can't even believe I have to say that. This was the first lesson my mother taught me about men. 
rich or poor, their egos were always bigger than them. They were never comfortable with a woman saying no to them, and it hurt even more when that woman was in the sex business. My mother once told me about a sex worker who turned a wealthy man down. She just didn't want him, so she turned him down even though he was willing to pay good money for her services. The man got very upset that a sex worker whom he thought was easily accessible to all men was making herself inaccessible to him. He kept coming back weekly to see if she changed her mind. All the other women at the brothel threw themselves at his feet and begged him to choose them instead, but he refused. He wanted that one woman who wanted nothing to do with him. I asked my mother why he was so adamant and she said, it wasn't that she was special or different. It's just that she rejected him and his ego was much too fragile to handle that. I smiled politely again and turned down his offer. Is there a rule of sorts against granting private sessions? Are you not allowed to work outside of this establishment? I could speak with the management. That was another thing about men. It'd be more soothing for a man to know that the reason you're turning him down is because someone in authority would not allow it. And that someone was, of course, a man or some man. There are no such rules, sir. I only dance within these walls. The minute I step outside this room, I am not a dancer. Surely you can make an exception. We pay well. I'm afraid no amount of money will make me break my rules. I smiled again and walked away. I'd learned enough about men from my mother and my own personal experiences to know that that was not the end. So I wasn't surprised when I was getting my makeup off that evening and the club's manager asked to see me. Is there a chance that you can have a private dance session for a couple of old friends? You know I don't do that, I said matter-of-factly. The men at the club knew me. I don't break my own rules, and why should I? People who break their own rules and go against their own principles are the most unreliable kinds of people. What is a person without their principles? Also, personal principles are set by self, so why should anyone find it difficult to follow rules that they did not have to create for themselves but created them anyway? The next morning, I'd gotten out all my makeup and was in my sweatpants and carrying my huge bag of costumes, makeup, and makeup removers when a sick black car stopped in front of me. I knew nothing about cars and I still don't, but I knew a sleek, expensive car when I saw one and I didn't need anyone to tell me that that was an expensive car. The window of the backseat rolled down slowly and I saw the man from the previous evening. Can we talk? We already did. By now, he seemed worried about how uninterested and unimpressed I was. Can we at least give you a ride to wherever you're going? I said, I don't live too far away. I can walk. He said, come on. I prefer to walk. It's a great form of exercise. He said, you're a dancer. You do the best form of exercise. He smiled. I'm harmless. I promise. Awesome. I'd still rather walk. Have a nice day. I suspected that he was going to be back and I was right. Three days later, he handed me a hefty tip and asked me to have dinner with him. Are you asking me out? I asked him, trying my best to conceal my surprise. Yes, or do you not go on dates too? I said, I don't know about dating a middle-aged man. He said, I'm sure a good number of middle-aged men have requested a date with you. I wanted to tell him that that's never happened, but I refrained from doing so and decided to go out with him. I thought, why not? He was quite cute and clearly had a lot of money. I may have been an exotic dancer, but I cleaned up really nicely and knew just how to be ladylike. Again, I learned that from my mother. On our first date, I wore a beautiful dress, styled my hair elegantly and wore heels. He took me to a beautiful highbrow restaurant. We had dinner, talked, 
and at the end of our date, he said he'd call me. I knew he would. Even when a week passed and I didn't hear from him, I just knew that we had too much chemistry for him to never call again. I was right. He called me again. He was only in the city for the party and had to leave because of his business. He asked me to come with him to where he lived and promised to give me a good life. I just know that I want to spend a lot of time with you. I told him I'd consider his request. He then asked if I was willing to stop dancing. I assured him that dancing was where my work ended. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. People often assumed that sex work and stripping were intertwined, and while truly some people do both, I drew a very clear line. He said he wasn't comfortable with it. He had a reputation. I told him again that I'd consider it, but I already knew what my answer was going to be. I was already tired of not sleeping on most nights. Sleeping all through the day to make up just wasn't cutting it for me anymore. In less than two months, I stopped dancing at the club and moved out of the city to live in my ex's mansion with him. My ex was rich and so was his dad before he died. They were so rich that he still had money that he and his sister inherited from their father and he had chains of businesses. He was married before me but his wife left him on account of his infidelity. I told him that cheating was a complete deal breaker for me and he assured me that it was no longer a vice for him. He was a lot older and had gained a higher perspective, was what he told me. I wasn't joking about the infidelity thing. I don't believe that cheating can be a mistake. I always thought it was the most disrespectful thing anyone could do to their partner. When he told me that he wanted us to have a child together, I asked him to marry me first. My mother would roll in her grave if I had a child with a man I wasn't married to, with no protection for myself after all she'd taught me, so I refused. If he wanted us to have a child together, then he must do things the proper way and marry me. I noticed his reluctance to marry me, but I wasn't bothered. There was no way I would carry his child if he wasn't going to marry me. One evening, he handed me a beautiful diamond ring. That is your engagement ring, he said to me. I smiled and wore it, but I knew I wasn't going to do anything until we were properly married. He tried to get me to have his child again. We're already engaged, he pointed out. I rolled my eyes. When are we going to set a date? He refused to pick a date, but when he eventually did, he told me that he was going to have to set something up so none of us got hurt. I knew what he was talking about. A prenup. I had no problem agreeing to a prenup. It wasn't like I was trying to use him for his money or anything. Even though I knew he was terrified of that happening, I had no plans to leave him. With him, I could finally go to college, have a family, and get my life together. I even fantasized about getting therapy. Our prenuptial agreement stated that if I left the marriage seven years after our wedding, I get nothing. But I got the usual benefits if he was caught cheating or had done something huge enough to qualify as a ground for divorce. I accepted the terms and we got married. 
Shortly after our marriage, I got pregnant. At this time, I was madly in love with my ex. We had managed to build a beautiful union and even his friends were jealous. He'd landed a woman who wasn't young and hot but was also genuinely in love with him. I however got to see why his ex-wife left him after I got pregnant. My ex-husband suddenly stopped hooking up with me. He'd even get offended if I tried to initiate it. He'd point out that I'd gotten fat in different parts of my body, ignore me and spend a lot of time away. He always gave me the silent treatment. I was basically on my own all through the pregnancy. I became very unhappy and uncomfortable. I wanted to leave, but I couldn't. If I left, I'd get nothing. Plus, I had a child on the way, and I wanted to give him a life better than the one my mother gave me. I needed his money to do that. At some point, I resolved to get things done either way. I was going to leave him and damn the consequences. I decided to go back to exotic dancing, make enough money to go back to college, and find a job that I'd love. I was determined until we found out that I was having a girl. I just couldn't imagine having a daughter and no money to care for her. I always knew I was going to be a mother and I wanted to be the mother of a girl, but I could never have a girl go through what I did. That would be like recycling the life my mother had and the one I had. I wanted to do things differently, so I stayed. One day, my ex-husband's former driver reached out to me and confessed that my ex was cheating with multiple women. He would go to strip clubs and hook up with the women there. He did all this while refusing to hook up with me and blaming how I looked for it. I asked his driver if he was willing to testify so I could get a divorce, but he chickened out, claimed he was lying, and blocked me from calling his number. There was a good chance I could get a divorce and a fat settlement if I could just prove that my ex was cheating, but I knew there was no way I'd get evidence, especially when I knew the women he was cheating with would never be disloyal to him. I decided to manufacture his infidelity. I reached out to an old friend of the nightclub, we're besties now, and she came to my rescue. I taught her all she needed to know about seducing my husband. I sent her to the club he frequents to pick women up, told her all the likes, and as expected, he fell for it. My ex fell for our tricks and they started going out. He'd send her money, buy her gifts, and they were together in different hotels and commercial apartments. As planned, she sent me videos and pictures acting like a scorned lover. When I filed for divorce, my daughter was nearly six months old. My ex swore I'd suffer without his protection. He promised to take my daughter away, to use my past as a stripper against me. He would even rant to his girlfriend, my friend, that I was an ingrate, a person he picked from the gutter and gave a good life. He swore that I'd never get off easily. He was so confident that at some point, my friend worried that I'd never be free. I refused to give in though. I hired an affordable but tenacious lawyer, and she poured so much effort into helping me get justice. With the evidence in my arsenal, I won, and the prenuptial clause was overturned. I got enough money to take care of myself, my ex still had to pay child support, and I got the house. The saddest part for my ex was finding out that he'd been played especially by someone like me, that was something I came to learn about men on my own. They always underestimate women. Not only did my ex lose me in our marriage, but he also lost the woman he thought he could fall back on. At first, he thought the picture evidence came from a third party, 
but I guess his attorney told him that the picture evidence showed that the person who took them was the woman he was with. They also could not claim that they were set up because my friend and I made it look as though she sent me those pictures to scorn me and get me to leave my husband so they could be together. I will always be grateful to my best friend for helping me get justice. Not many friends can do what she did, and the fact that she wasn't tempted to keep taking his money gladdened me. Today, my daughter and I are better off for the favor she did us, and she's my best friend in the whole world. Well, needless to say, that's definitely the kind of friend that has a little bit of extra you-owe-me privilege. I mean, this person just kind of uprooted their life for a while to help you get this revenge. That is a real friend. Our next story is, forgiving is smart, forgetting is foolish. Many times, people like to talk about how time heals all wounds and how it keeps the wounds locked in. But what they forget to tell you most times is that the one thing that is capable of keeping it fresh is vengeance. They never tell us how vengeance is a reminder of a debt owed that is yet to be paid, a debt that must be paid. Now, do not get me wrong. Not all wrongdoings should require revenge. I believe that there have been certain wrongs that I've considered inconsequential in the long run and that it would have been simply stupid of me to pursue revenge. But there are some things that you know within your very core that you couldn't afford to let go. You just have to rumple the sheet of the bed they lay on and exert your revenge in the best way you knew how. And I guess this is where I should tell you that knowing who your opponent is, is the best way to plan your revenge against them. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, let me get into why I plotted this revenge and why I couldn't sit still in the shadows and let my ex-wife get away with everything. My name is Zeph from the name Zephaniah and I married Daphne at the ripe age of 25. My life with Daphne has been nothing short of a beautiful symphony, each note composed with love and devotion. From the moment we met, I knew she was the one, my soulmate, the person I'd been waiting for all my life. Our dreams intertwined effortlessly creating a future filled with limitless possibilities. Together, we danced through the early days of our marriage, weaving dreams into reality with the threads of our love. Music had always been my passion, and Daphne encouraged me to pursue it with unwavering support. Her writing mesmerized me, and I felt blessed to have her by my side, guiding me through the winding paths of life. Maybe I was still caught up in the frenzy of my first real love and the idea of what life was and could be with Daphne by my side. I saw our love like a magnetic force, drawing others into its orbit. Our friends and family admired the bond we shared, often remarking that we were the epitome of a perfect couple. The truth is that for a while, it truly felt that way. Yet as the seasons changed and time moved forward, Subtle tremors began to shake the foundation of our once perfect union. Daphne's laughter, once a constant melody, grew quieter, veiled by a distant cloud that I couldn't quite understand. 
The warmth in her gaze waned, replaced by a hint of secrecy that left me feeling like an outsider in my own home. I tried to ignore the mounting concerns, attributing Daphne's change to the stress of her busy career, but my heart knew there was more to it, something she wasn't sharing with me. Nights turned into mornings as I lay awake, consumed by thoughts of what might be causing this growing rift between us. One evening, as we sat side by side in the yard outside, I mustered the courage to open my heart to her. My voice trembled as I gently expressed my worries, hoping to bridge the distance that had grown between us. But her replies were vague and a sense of unease settled in the pit of my stomach. I yearned for the intimacy we once shared, for the deep conversations that used to flow effortlessly, but each attempt to peel back the layers and connect with her on a soulful level seemed to be met with walls I couldn't penetrate. My heart ached for the love we had lost, and music became my refuge, the one place where my emotions could flow freely without judgment. My guitar became my confidant, capturing the notes of my pain and confusion as I played into the night. I refused to let go of the love that had once bound us so tightly, clinging to the hope that we could rekindle the flame that had flickered. I cherished the memories of our laughter, the dreams we had woven together, and the promises we'd made on our wedding day. But as the days stretched into months, I had to confront the harsh reality that our love story might not have a fairy tale ending. Daphne's walls had grown too high, leaving me feeling like an outsider in my own marriage. In the midst of heartbreak, I knew I couldn't lose myself in the shadows of a love that was slipping away. I deserved happiness, fulfillment, and a partner who would stand by my side through the storms of life. I believe Daphne was that for me and I hung on to the belief that we would find our path to each other like we always did. As I was with choosing to marry Daphne, I was wrong on this too. The day I uncovered Daphne's affair is forever etched in my memory. A haunting reel that replays in my mind when I least expect it. It started innocently enough, with a misplaced phone call that left me feeling like a puzzle with missing pieces. That evening, as I sat on the couch in the living room, the faint ringtone of Daphne's phone echoed from the kitchen. She was in the shower and I thought nothing of it, assuming it was just a friend or a work-related call. But when I picked up the phone to check the caller ID, my heart stopped. The name displayed on the screen was not one I recognized. Mark, it read. My mind raced, trying to find a logical explanation, but my gut knew there was something amiss. Fear and denial gripped my heart as I struggled to make sense of it all. It wasn't about the call, really. Neither was it about the person that called. My mind was unsettled. I tried to shake off the uneasy feeling, convincing myself that it was probably just a colleague or an old friend. But the nagging doubt persisted, and I couldn't shake the urge to investigate further. And that was our undoing. That night, as Daphne slept peacefully beside me, I crept into the living room and unlocked her phone. My hands trembling with apprehension, my heart raced as I scrolled through her messages, praying that my fears would be unfounded. Yet, there it was, the undeniable evidence of her affair with Mark, a co-worker at her workplace. The messages were laced with affectionate words and their previous meeting plans, sending daggers through my heart with each sentence I read. It felt as though the ground beneath me had given way and I was falling into a dark abyss of a betrayal. At that moment, my world shattered. The woman I had loved so deeply had been carrying on an affair, and I'd been oblivious to it all. I felt like a fool, blind to the deception that had been unfolding right in front of me. 
and as the weight of the truth settled in, heartbreak turned to anger. Anger at myself for not seeing the signs. Anger at Daphne for betraying my trust. And anger at Mark for manipulating her emotions. I wanted to confront them both, to demand an explanation for the pain they had inflicted upon me. Three days after that, I sat Daphne down and calmly asked her about the affair. Her reaction was not what I expected. She didn't deny it or show remorse. Instead, she met my questions with an icy gaze, her words laced with arrogance. I don't owe you any explanations, Zeph, she retorted, her voice cold and devoid of emotion. Our marriage was falling apart long before Mark came into the picture. This is not just about him, it's about us. Her callous response felt like a slap in the face, and I struggled to find the words to respond. How could she be so nonchalant about the pain she had caused? How could she dismiss our years of love and commitment so easily? And if anything, why did she have to hide it from me? It all felt like an elaborate cover-up to how she had knowingly and purposefully stepped out of the marriage and the vows we agreed to. As I looked into her eyes, I realized that the woman I once knew was slipping away, replaced by a stranger who bore little resemblance to the person I had married. The realization left me devastated feeling as though the foundation of my life had crumbled beneath me, yet I felt that she would come around. I was a hopeless fool in love hanging on to the past in sheer refusal and denial to accept the present. But notwithstanding, Daphne made it clear that she wanted a divorce, and there was no room for reconciliation. The divorce proceedings were bitter and fraught with tension. Daphne seemed determined to take as much as she could from our life together, leaving me with little. Our assets, once a symbol of our shared dreams, were now reduced to bargaining chips in a battle of emotions. Lawyers got involved, and the courtroom became a battleground where the remnants of our love were fought over like spoils of war. It was a gut-wrenching process, watching the life we'd built together torn apart piece by piece. As the dust settled, I found myself with a mere fraction of what we had once shared. The house we had made home was no longer mine and the memories that had once filled it now haunted its empty rooms. The pain of the divorce was like an open wound, a constant reminder of the love I'd lost and the betrayal that had shattered my world. But amidst the rubble of my broken marriage, I knew that I had to find a way to rebuild my life, to rediscover the strength within me that had been overshadowed by heartache. In the wake of the painful divorce, I found myself engulfed in a suffocating darkness, a void that threatened to consume me whole. The love I'd believed to be everlasting had crumbled, leaving me feeling like a ship lost at sea. To say I was simply depressed would be to undervalue the emotions that I felt through the next phase of my life. Depression cast its heavy shadow upon me. It clouded my thoughts and dimmed the once vibrant colors of life. Each day felt like an uphill climb and I struggled to find the strength to move forward. But deep within, a flicker of hope remained. A tiny ember that refused to be extinguished. Recognizing that I couldn't navigate this darkness alone, I sought solace in therapy. At first, I was skeptical about it. I didn't know what to expect when I get to my therapist. I didn't know who to expect, or how they were going to help me walk through the emotions I was feeling. To be honest, at the time, I didn't want to talk about the emotions I felt. But as it would turn out, talking to a professional allowed me to unravel the knots of pain that had tied themselves around my heart. The therapist became my guiding light, gently leading me through the labyrinth of emotions that threatened to overwhelm me. I might have lost. Daphne, 
I might have lost the willpower to pursue anything that remotely reminded me of her. But I couldn't let her win. I could not give up everything in totality. Rediscovering my passion for music, which died when the divorce saga began, became my lifeline. It was what I needed to guide me through the storm of my broken marriage and heart. I spent countless hours with my guitar, pouring my emotions into each chord, allowing the melodies to weave tales of heartbreak and resilience. Music became my canvas, painting the colors of my emotions in a symphony of healing. At first, it felt like starting from scratch. The familiar chords felt foreign as if my fingers had forgotten the dance they once shared with the strings. But with each note, I found my rhythm again and it felt nice to get back the magic of music that had once fueled my soul. The lyrics became an outlet for the words I couldn't speak, expressing the pain and longing that had remained hidden beneath the surface, something my therapist had advised that I do. It was in the act of creation that I found catharsis, a release of emotions that had long been suppressed. But what she did not know is that it was through my lyrics that I would find a way to hurt my ex-wife back. It didn't matter how long I would have to wait, I wanted her to understand just how badly she had hurt me, because I felt like she didn't see how she did. A decade had ambled its way into the crevices of my life since the bitter unraveling of my once-shared world with Daphne. The memories of our marriage's implosion still smoldered, a collection of shards that time had failed to mend. The scars were deep, embedded in the very core of my being. Amid the attempts to reconstruct my life, an intricate web of revenge began to weave itself in the corners of my mind, a complex plan that would tug at the threads of fate and bring our intertwined destinies to the forefront. There were times I thought of my revenge plan and wondered if it was just an elaborate plan to keep the thoughts of Daphne in my head, or perhaps a way by which I could just see her and make her see me like she did before. But whatever the reason was, I was going to get it. My revenge story started subtly, as clandestine notes and cryptic messages, each one bearing the echo of our shared past. These messages, like whispers from a bygone era, found their way to Daphne through the whims of fate, strange coincidences that stirred curiosity and disbelief in her heart. Each message was a fragment of a puzzle that only I held the pieces to. As the messages persisted, the rhythm of orchestrated encounters grew stronger. Chance meetings that seemed plucked from the pages of a novel, a fleeting gaze across a crowded room, an accidental brush of hands. Each interaction was a carefully woven thread in my grand scheme. Doubt began to cast its shadow in her eyes, a suspicion that the universe was orchestrating something far more intricate than she could comprehend. The climax of my symphony of revenge arrived in a meticulously staged encounter. As the room hummed with anticipation, I revealed myself as the orchestrator of the coincidences that had bound us together. The air was heavy with unspoken truths as I began to spin my narrative, a narrative that linked her choices of the past to the present circumstances she found herself. At this time, she had ended things with Mark, not that I didn't see that coming. Yet there was no venom in my voice, no fury in my eyes. My revenge wasn't designed to tear her down but to lift her gaze towards the consequences of her actions. I needed her to see me. I was hurt and she didn't see that. Not then, when she chose to go behind our marriage vows. Not when she asked for a divorce. And definitely not when she ripped off almost everything I'd worked for in my life. 
I wanted to reflect on the echoes of her past and the impact they had wrought in a way that made her regret her past actions. And I did. In that charged moment, our eyes met. You know that silent understanding that transcended words? The threads of fate, which I had carefully woven into the fabric of her life, connected her past decisions with their far-reaching repercussions. Her eyes flickered with realization, and the truth dawned upon her like a storm breaking over the horizon. I invited her to recognize the interconnectedness of our lives, to understand the weight of the pain she had inflicted and the potential for growth that pain could birth. My words were a challenge, an invitation to confront her past and shape her future. I reminded her of how we met, of how the love we shared was envy to those that surrounded us. I made her see how much energy I invested into making us work, even when she was far from willing to admit that something was wrong with us. I reminded her of the broken promises and the hurt that the cracks left in my heart. I wanted her to feel the hurt I felt, but I was not as strong as I thought I was. The realization of what she did struck her, and as I saw the tears roll down her eyes, I knew that deep down, there would always be a part of my heart that would belong to her, irrespective of how much she hurt me, and irrespective of the number of years that would pass by between us. But what was done, was done. I wanted revenge for the hurt she caused. I'd forgiven her of the pain, but I wasn't going to forget just yet. Not even her tears could make me forget. The day I confronted her and the coffee shop where our story began, I got up after I'd said my piece and I turned my back to leave. As she called on me, I turned my ears deaf. She didn't deserve to see how much I was hurting. That when she thought we could bond over our past memories, I walked away. As much as OP really kind of preaches moving past and forgiving, it just seems to me that they were certainly motivated for a long time to find a way to actually not kind of move past it, or not really forgive it. But hey, once they got their revenge, once they got what they wanted, at least they did finally move on. It was really that closure they needed. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.